This week, we have three, this class is based on three concepts. First of all, it's the month of Adar. This year is a leap year. And we have two months of Adar. Then Purim is, is next month. But the month of Adar, the main thing about the month of Adar is Purim. Let me read the Megillah and Purim, the whole story of the Amen. That's number one. Number two, this week, this week literally, Tuesday, is the is seventh of Adar, right? Today is fifth. Tomorrow is second. This sixth. Yeah, seventh of Adar is Tuesday. It's the Yorzeit, the birth and the Yorzeit of Moses. Moses died the day he was born, 120 years later. The complete life of a human being is an example of Moses. God says already, right in the beginning in Genesis, God says, a man will live 120 years. He told Adam and Eve, basically. But it took time until it went down to 120. Adam lived 930, there was this 800 and 700 and 600. It took many years. Eventually, by Moses, the complete human being, you want to close the yeah. door? Thank you. The complete human being, he lived to be 120 years, and he died the day he was born. And that's an example of somebody who completed his mission in the world. In general, even a person didn't live 120, if you die the day, a person dies the day he was born, it's a sign that he completed his mission. It was, it was a full cycle. That's the second concept. The third issue is that we in this parsha, this week's parsha, when you're going to read on Shabbos on Saturday, is Tetzave. What's unique about this parsha is that in this parsha, since Moses was born in the beginning of Exodus until the end of Deuteronomy, Moses is mentioned in every week, in every parsha. The only parsha in the Torah that the name Moses is not mentioned is in this week's parsha. Very strange thing. Question is why Moses was not mentioned in this parsha? Then there is a few answers. One answer is because he died in this week's parsha. I mean, we started to read the parshas in this order many, many years after Moses died, but everything is by divine providence. Mm -hmm. Then he died in this week's parsha. Therefore, we read this week's parsha and the, the week that he died because we lost him, so to speak. The more common explanation is. When it was, right after this week, next week in Pashat Kitisa, we're reading about the golden calf. In the golden calf, Moses wanted to destroy the Jewish people. Eventually, I mean, I'm sorry, God wanted to destroy the Jewish people, right? Because he was upset with the old Jewish people. The rest of the Jews didn't care. Then, what, then Moses finally told God, gave God an ultimatum. If you kill them, erase me from your book. Now, God did not kill the Jewish people, forgive them. But when a tzaddik makes a statement like this, it has an effect. And then an effect, at least on one parsha, that in one parsha, the Jewish, uh, Moses' name was not mentioned. Where we see in the Bible before in the Torah that when a tzaddik is saying something as a if, it has an effect. He said something, he didn't know, and it had effect. Somebody died, actually, because he said it. Jacob, yeah. Jacob, Laban came and told him, somebody stole my 
gods, my idols. Mm -hmm. Then uh, Jacob says, impossible. The person who told your idols should die. He didn't know Rachel did it. And Rachel died, the Talmud says, from the curse of, Mo of Jacob. Mm. She came to the land of Israel right away died. She gave birth to Benjamin. From, Jacob didn't know, but that's, by the way, an amazing lesson, how much we have to be careful with our language. Because what they say has an effect. Now, I'm not such a big tzaddik. It has a little, I hope it has less, less an effect. <laughs> but still has an effect. We have to be, the Rebbe was, the Rebbe was the master. He was the number one example of somebody who doesn't take out any, any negative word out of his mouth. In his world, never, nobody ever died. They are not alive. Nobody is ever sick. They are not healthy. It was, it was, even when he was quoting a verse from the Bible, he twisted the verse of the Bible and should come out from his mouth something negative. Even from the Bible itself. That's a big job. Michael, you're not the only one. We need to, I need to walk <laughs> on it too. No, 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 no. I'm looking at myself because sometimes... I'm, That's what I'm saying. No, I'm not saying a bad thing, but like I'm saying... Like yesterday, I was talking about like, hey, I was we're trying to get this natural immunity to get the COVID as much as possible, and kind of like I am asking, exactly. you know, like then I, 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 I have this, good, but you never know. You see, right, they, uh, we always, I, I know, looking at myself. When I know you looked at yourself, and I'm telling you that you're not the only one who's dealing with these problems. I mean, there is a few righteous people here, but not everybody. Now that we know these three concepts, there is another explanation why Moses' name is not mentioned uh, in the Parsha, but I might speak about the Chabas. I thought maybe because when he hit the rock, they, uh, God said he took him out of one Parsha. Not because, no, 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 because of the golden calf. See, he said, Moses said, erased me from your book, that God did that. In one, it had an effect on one Parsha. Mm. On one end, it's interesting, on Parsha's Tetzav, on one end, everything is you. It's all about Moses. And you should do and you should say, and you should tell him, you, 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 but who is you? It's not written. When did he say, erase uh, me from your book, when he was trying to defend Jews? Jew? Yes. yes. Oh, he, he gave him option how to punish, and this is one No, 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 what he said like this, God wanted to, God gave him an offer. We will destroy the Jewish people, Sorry. and we'll start with you. Start a new nation. Okay. That Moses, Moses told them, if you kill them, don't count on me. Erase me from you. He said the word, erase me from your book. Oh, no he wanted as a way of giving God an ultimatum. He shouldn't do it. Okay. No, in the whole thing about the golden calf, you think about it. God was all upset in, when Moses was still with the two tablets at Mount Sinai. Moses was all upset, God was all upset that Jewish people worshipped idols. Moses says, hey, God got it. Hold on. Give me a few hours. I'm going downstairs. I'll take care of the whole problem. Don't make it bigger than it is. Everything will be good. He came down. He broke the tablets. He killed the people who worshipped the idols. Everybody, it was all over. It was clean. Three hours later, nobody even knew there was an idol there. That's kind of like me with Exactly. They were, they're going, exactly. He told them, give me a few. I'll take care of it. Exactly. He almost told God, I'll take care of it. And the truth, hey. I have to do like this always. Uh, yeah, you are like God. Then you take care of it. <laughs> okay, now we're, we're going to start with a piece from the Megillah, and we'll go from there to basically it's about Moses. It's about Moses, the old, the old class. Okay, go ahead. After these events, King Ahasuerus promoted and advanced Haman, the son of Mafada the Agagite, and placed his seat above all the princes with him. And all the king's servants who were in the king's gate would kneel and prostrate themselves before Haman. 
for so had the king commanded concerning him. But Mordechai would neither kneel nor prostrate himself. Aha. Uh -huh. And everybody was bowing down to Ammon, to Amen, and only the only one who didn't do it was, uh, was uh, Mordechai. Yeah, that's a famous story. Go ahead. When Haman saw that Mordechai would neither kneel nor prostrate himself before him, Haman became full of wrath. But it seemed contemptible to him to lay hands on Mordechai alone, for they had told him Mordechai's nationality. And Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout Achashverosh's entire kingdom, Mordechai's people. The moment he understood that Mordechai doesn't do it because he's Mordechai, but because he's a Jew, then you want to get rid of all the Jews. Hmm. Oh, the Jews don't bow down. The Jews don't do this. It's a Jewish thing. And let's get rid of all of them. Go ahead. In the first month, which is the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of Achashverosh, they cast a poor. That is the lot before Haman for every day and every month to the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar. Oh, uh, Amen. What he did, he made, he made a lottery, right? Mm -hmm. to this, he decided he didn't want to rely on himself and to destroy the Jewish people. He left it up for destiny, for, the, for Bashert. God will decide. I'll, make a road, I'll, throw, I'll, I'll draw a, a raffle and we'll take out whatever the month will come out. Will be yes. What do I need to decide? God will decide for me when to destroy the Jewish people. He also believed in superpower, but in, the, in a twisted way. Then he, it's a very interesting way how he decided to do it. And it came out, the month of Adar. That's how it came out. He didn't decide. It was the month, he was in the month of Nisan. Basically, he came 12 months later. A whole year later, in the month of Adar. Then we'll be destroying the Jewish people. Okay, source number two. <clears throat> the verse states, they cast poor, that is, the lot. A sage taught the following Baraisa. Once the lot fell on the month of Adar, he, Haman, greatly rejoiced. For he saw this as a favorable omen for the execution of his plans. He said, The lot has fallen for me in the month that Moses died, which is consequently a time of calamity for the Jewish people. But he did not know that not only did Moses die on the seventh of Adar, he was also born on the seventh of Adar. Oh. Then the Talmud says Moses was very happy. Because he, he obviously had also Jewish advisors. Moses or Haman? Haman, I mean, I'm sorry. Haman had Jewish advisors. I'm a little for mish today. Haman hmm. um, had Jewish advisors, and he knew that Moses died on, on, the, on the month of Adam. He said, oh, it's a bad month for the Jewish people. Bad luck. Perfect. Perfect. I'll walk. It's from God. It's a, he was very happy. It's a bad month for the Jews. But he didn't know that Moses was born also on the 7th of Adam. Now, here comes the whole discussion. What's more important? What's, what gives? What is more powerful? He was born and died on the same day. Is this a good month for the Jewish people or a bad month for the Jewish people? That's a question. Was Amen right or wrong? I mean, we know that he was wrong, but the question is, what's, what, what is it? But in general, Kind of like if you're born, it's considered a good thing for in, in general, and then if you died, this is, I mean, 
It's simple, but in... in, in uh, it's a very interesting... That's exactly what you're going to analyze. You're right. That's the discussion. That's what the whole discussion is about. you can think from different angle on this one. You know, like, he lived a life, he died, and we are celebrating uh, life, oh. achievement, or whatever oh. it is, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean... But born is kind of God gave you life. That's all. That's kind of... Then, yeah, you didn't do anything. Nothing accomplished. No nothing accomplished. accomplished. You see? Yes, That's you how know. the Russian look on life. You accomplish something, go and get out of here. <laughs> When you, when you, you know the famous joke, when you graduate, uh, um, graduate college or graduate, uh, uh, graduate school, only then you consider you're coming out from, the, uh, from, becoming, from being a fetus to really a human being. <laughs> Until then, you're nothing. You don't exist. You're right. That's, that's exactly the question. Okay. You want to read another small piece? Read another small okay. piece. Haman's joy. The Talmud says that two events took place on the 7th of Edar. One, the birth of Moses, two, the passing of Moses. When Haman wanted to designate a month and day for the decree against the Jews, he would present to Achishverus. He didn't want to rely on his own decision-making. Therefore, he cast lots to know in which month he would succeed. And as the Talmud says, when the lots fell on the month of Adar, he rejoiced, re realizing that if it had fallen in the month of Moses, realizing that it had fallen in the month of Moses' death. Okay, that he was happy... And he, did, he didn't want to do it by himself. Continue. Uh, page, we're on page five in top. Death is better than birth. Uh, no, no, no. no, no. In other words. Oh, I skipped a page. In other words. <laughs> You're ahead of the game, boy. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Oh, in other words. There we go. Please. Haman knew that even with casting lots, success wasn't certain. But when he saw that it, it had fallen in the month of Adar, he rejoiced. The lot has fallen for me in the month that Moses died. Moses was the redeemer of Israel. This result led him to conclude that his plot would succeed. The Talmud concludes, but he did not know that not only did Moses die on the seventh of Adar, he was also born on the seventh of Adar. And therefore, as Rashi writes, the birth is worthy enough to atone for the death. Aha. Uh -huh. So the birth is more important than the death. But you had, Michael, you had a good question. We're born, you did nothing. When you're dead, you have a lifetime of achievements. You know, why we eulogize by the Jewish people only after a person dies? Now, in America, you eulogize somebody by his graduation, by his bar mitzvah, by his wedding, by his 50th birthday, by his 60th birthday again, and they sit and they listen and they are so happy that you eulogize them. The problem with these eulogies is you don't know what will happen. You might tomorrow go and you discover that the guy is a gangster. You didn't know. Then eulogizing about a person dies, that's it. The book is closed. And you can say now, you can make a statement, you, you know, you're not, you're not wrong. You're not, you say that it, can, it cannot disappoint the world with this bad, bad behavior. As, lo as long as a person is alive, you can make, you can make a mistake. It can, it can go the wrong way. Yeah, but we're the feel-good society. I know. <laughs> that's my point. <laughs> Bills, they are your side. <laughs> Okay, uh, you want to continue? Build the yacht site on page six. Um, death is better than birth. Now this teaching, the birth is worthy enough to atone for the death, requires clarification, both from a textual perspective and a logical perspective. In Torah study, proof for a given um, matter can be brought either from the text of the Torah or through logic. Sometimes when something is spelled out clearly in the Torah's text, no logical explanation is needed. 
and sometimes in the presence of a strong logical argument, no textual basis is necessary. In our case, both text and logic seem to contradict the Talmud. You see, there is two ways of learning, basically. Sometimes you say, but the verse says the opposite. What you say? We're coming up with this story. Sometimes what you said doesn't make sense. Here, we have both of them contradicting this concept. Go ahead, continue. The textual argument, uh, mm -hmm. as, uh, scripture states clearly, the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. Simple. There is a verse in the, in the Bible. Where is it? It's in the, I think it's in, in the book of uh, Job or something. One, oh, uh, where is it? Why do you don't have the source for it? They have the source. It, dis it disappeared. One second. Yeah, this source is lost. It should be in source number uh, 87. This page lost us. Maybe when he printed it, it came out without it. I don't know. In any case, there is a verse that says that it's the day of death is better than the day of birth. Simple. Because by the day of birth, you don't know if the person will do right or wrong. By the day he died, that's it. You know, we're standing. That first of all, it's a verse in the Bible. Number one. Number two, continue. Oh, I'm sorry, continue. The logical argument, yeah. the greatest uh, simpleton understands that at death, when one's life comes to an end, we are able to recognize and appreciate the accomplishments of his lifetime. This is not the case upon one's birth. We have absolutely no idea what the new baby will accomplish. Yeah. Then in a regular case, you're absolutely right. We don't know what's going to be. Mike, you want to continue? Sure. We must also take into account that every person is created with two inclinations. A good inclination and inclination to do the opposite. <laughs> I like how it's phrased. Not to do bad, to do the opposite of the good. You see? That's how the Rebbe talks. That's, exactly, that's from the Rebbe's text. That's exactly how the Rebbe talks. <laughs> As our sages say, if God would not help us, we would not be able to overcome him. Overcome the, the evil inclination, so to yeah. speak. There are myriads of obstacles, and we ask God every day, do not bring us to a test. Hasidic teachings explain the uh, descent of the soul into a body from a great spiritual height into a lowly physical pit, and the ensuing life which we experience is a dangerous journey, and God's assistance is very necessary to navigate it. We need, because, because to go to, from, come to this physical world, with all the temptations, with all the problems, then we need God's help to, make, to, to have the strength to overcome. You know, there's an old Hasidic saying, I think it was the Maggid of the Rebbe Yisrael he said, God, it's not fair. If you, put, if you would put this physical world in the book and the spiritual world in front of our eyes, it would be much easier. What you tell us, the spiritual world is in the book. The world is in the book. The physical temptations are in front of our eyes. Go ahead, continue. If so, the question arises, what does it mean what is it meant with the words, the birth is worthy enough to atone for, for the death? About Moses, yeah. yeah. Both Torah and logic suggest that a day of birth is not worthy enough to overshadow a day of death because a birth doesn't tell us anything about a person's accomplishments. Why does the Talmud say that the day of birth is more worthy? Yeah, why? why what's, what, the, oh, he was born. Oh, that's a, that's a happy day because he was born. Who says, who says the birth is big? Birth is not bigger than, than, than that. By that, you, have, you can sum up the lifetime achievements of a person. What did he do? He was born. So, like you said, he did anything. Like somebody is born and so. 
Or you did something for it, he deserves. People give him credit in this physical machine in the world, but he did anything for it. Nothing. He was born. It's not his achievement. He didn't reach somewhere. At most. At most, we should say that the death reveals the value of the birth. When a person passes away with the culmination of his entire life, we're able to appreciate the value of his birthday. But the birthday should not be so powerful, so it's nullifying the effect of the, the day of death. As in our story, where the decree of Haman set in the month of Moses' death should be transformed into a holiday because it's also his birthday. You see, I mean, the day of death, after all, is a sad day. We lost Moses. Lost Moses, obviously, it's not a good thing for the Jewish people. Then it should be, the effect of the death should be, first of all, it's after. It's after the birth. It was later. And what should be more effective uh, than, than the day was born. Now, the Rebbe, in this shaded box, there is another question about that. We can celebrate, we can also celebrate the day of death. Go ahead, please. I, I wanted to ask you a yeah. little bit before that, when uh, they say Haman knew that even blah, blah, and he kind of like was understand the role of Moses. Uh, Moses was a redeemer of Israel, God led him, so he kind of just knew how Moses' role was, I mean, how powerful was. He kind of just... So he knew and still kind of just wanted to, um, to destroy the, all Jewish the Jews. Yeah, so because he knew. So he thought his role of doing this, despite of uh, knowing what Jews are all about, and all Moses, Moses, Moses. Look, look like Hitler. Huh? He writes that the Jewish people representing conscience in his book. It's a false conscience, and we have to destroy the conscience, therefore, we have to destroy them. That means, right? That's what he writes in his book. Then. He knew, who can hate you? Somebody who knows you. Somebody who doesn't know you doesn't really hate you. The more they know, the more the hate is bigger. So it's like people trying to take on something which kind of like they think, hey, if I will do this, and I'm uh, thinking about like all this uh, bad people who are trying to blow themselves up or to do the, uh, like mass kind of casualties, like saying, hey, my... My name will be in the history of something mm -hmm. that I did. Something uh, big. Yeah. There, there is a statement in the Talmud, Kol Yisrael Anybody who makes service to the Jews becomes a big macha. The Jews don't fall for schleppers. They fall only for very big people. And then you become famous, yeah. But it's, 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 the idea is that the people, these people know what the Jews are. Or, and, you know, you don't need somebody that's less than you. Think about it. You're not threatened, you're not intimidated by a schlepper. No one, anyone. Oh, he's a chocha, he's successful. You understand? When somebody puts in front of you a mirror that is a better person than me, then I have two options what to do with it. Or to try to live up to his level, or to put him down. What's easier? Giving him a poison apple. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There was a, it's a famous story, one, one of the Chabad rabbis had two boys. The younger was taller than the older one. Once the older one wanted to dig the hole for his brother, he told him, stand there. Then he stood next to him and says, yeah, I'm taller than you. <laughs> the father passed by. The father turned to the older one and told him, listen, if you want to be taller than them, take a step stool, build something higher, and be higher than them. Don't, don't dig a hole for them. This is, the rabbi explains it about anti-Semitism. The whole source of anti-Semitism is this. There's a whole example from the time of the whole. Um, the bottom line is because 
when you're behaving better, some people appreciate it and say, great, I want to be a part of it. We had, uh, we had uh, a few years ago with aftercare, and was also a non-Jewish family. And me and Miriam told them, you know, it's, uh, we are Jewish, we're teaching Jewish tradition. He says, yeah, that's why I want to come here. They appreciate it and they want it. On the other end, that's one way to deal with it. But on the other end, if I don't want to be better, I don't, it's much harder. To become better is hard. Much easier to put them down and finish. That's, that's why Amen, because he knew Mordechai is, because he knew what the Jewish people are, that's why he wanted to do it. Did he know all the explanation? What do we know about Moses? No, he didn't know. We're talking about a concept. It doesn't make a difference if Amen knew everything or didn't know everything. The idea is about Moses and about everyone. What's more important, the day of death or the day of birth? And we'll go with this further. But let's read this shaded box. Go ahead. Another question. <clears throat> the author Rebbe writes, the day of uh, righteous uh, people's passing Persons. is a special moment when all his accomplishments come to fair. If so, when the Tal uh, Talmud seeks to explain how the, uh, the lots of a seventh of other was actually a benefit, Yeshua should have said that Yetzirah of Moses, the most outstanding of men, is the most beneficial day to bring salvation to the Jewish people and abolish Haman's decree. It's what he says is like this. The Alter Rebbe writes that when a tzaddik, the Yotzeit of a tzaddik is a very special day. Like the Yotzeit of the Rebbe. Yotzeit of the Rebbe. Because on this day, all his accomplishment from all his life are coming to a higher level. Not that anybody is connected to him, anybody who was on the grave side, anybody who asked him to pray on your behalf to, on your behalf to God, is being helped too. He's being elevated with them together. Then the day that Moses died is not a bad day. You understand? The day that he actually died 3,300 years ago is a bad day. But the years later is a day of inspiration. Then we don't have to worry. The Gemara didn't have to say, but he didn't know he was born on this day. The Gemara said, say, he just didn't know that the Nayot of a tzaddik is a good day. It's actually a beneficial thing. It's not a bad thing, you understand? Why, why, why the Talmud didn't say this? That's the question. Are, are there any um, holidays that run counter to that? Yard side of a tzaddik? Yes. Yes. It's not regarded as... Uh, no, it's, no, it's, it's, it's you, you regarded as a great day. Which day is the Yotzeit of Atzadik is a great day in Jewish calendar? No. <laughs> you know it. Oh, you got the, the Zohar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, 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 when. That's uh, Lag Bomer. Lag Bomer is the Yotzeit of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. A celebration of a million people. Well, remember what happened last year in... in, in but the point is... Yeah, it's a day of celebration, a huge day of celebration. Because, actually, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, why it's in his, he told that, he revealed that, that the day of Ayotzeit is a day of celebration. Because all the mitzvahs and all the good deeds of the tzaddik are being elevated. And he's, because what happens by Ayotzeit, every soul is being elevated, is being upgraded on the day of his Ayotzeit. And basically, the Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai said, when I'm happy, be happy with me. That's what he said. Celebrated me. But since then, that's why Yotzeit, in the, in the Kabbalistic terminology, it's called Ilula. Ilula means a celebration. It's not a Yotzeit. It's a, a celebrating. Oh, the secular world is celebrating people's, a person's life that when he died. That's not a day of celebration. It's a day of sadness. It's by Jewish law, you have to sin. You're being sad. The guy, the guy died. What are you celebrating? Everybody says, L'chaim, what is this? He died. It's a tragedy. 
For him, for his family, for everybody. On your, on your side, I mean, One second. Another day he died. The year later, that we said that this neshama is being elevated. Yeah, we, there is a custom by some Hasidim to say lechaim. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's why you make a kiddush by day for your side. Why you make a kiddush? Because that's a, that's the same idea. You sell, not the day he died. The world says we're celebrating his life. Not the day he dies. You don't celebrate anything. You mourn with him and with his family. But a year later, two years later, five years later, 20 years later, if it's a tzaddik, we did some good things. Now, every nishama, every Jewish soul is being elevated by the day of, by the day of his uh, passing. But I, I do not know, because like when we, uh, uh, um, anniversary of the death, we usually custom, we like, you know, like you say in L'chaim, you just, uh, we don't, you kind of, uh, how you would. How you explain when you... It's a, you in know, memory. Like when, uh, you, on a regular holidays, when oh, you drink, you, uh, you toast. Uh, you toast, toast and you uh, click the glasses. Oh, you click the glass. Your side, you don't click the glass. You're drinking, but you're saying in the memory... Of this person, you don't click the cup. I don't know from where comes Historically, it came from when uh, different tribes, uh, not uh, Jewish, like whatever, they were trying to poison each other. Oh, yeah. So when they cleaned glasses, the uh, wine really? was spilling into each other. Really? So that was, uh, so I yeah, never heard it. Wow. It was going yeah. over yeah. and then so you, you can... Oh, the same was safe. Yeah. Safe. Today, today, you don't have to go to click the glasses to poison somebody. You yeah. can do it in yeah. simpler so, ways. <laughs> you know, I, I never heard about it. For sure, the clicking glasses is not a Jewish tradition. Yeah. I can tell you that. And, and the, the drinking is probably an Irish tradition. We, we, we follow, you know. Still. No, no, but, but yeah, saying yeah, Lechaim yeah. by a Yotzite uh, is a Hasidic tradition. There is, by other Hasidim, the day of the Yotzite, you come to, they come to Shul and they bring with them a cake and, and some liquor. And every, everybody says it's called a Tikkun. Tikkun means a correction. We're correcting, we're helping the soul to be elevated. By saying, by Jewish people saying Lechaim and saying a blessing, and we wish... May the neshama should have an aliyah. The neshama should be elevated. Is that tikkun? So it's tikkun alam, changing the world. So fixing, fixing. fixing. Tikkun yeah. means fixing. It's called tikkun. That's what it's called. Then in there is not chabad. In other Hasidic shuls, every day you walk in, there is cake and, and, and a little liquor, a little chaim. And you, before you start the day, you say, I read al-chaim, not a bad day. I did it all the time. Every the, day. Joke, the joke is, I remember many years ago, the reporter who went to Mea Sharim for a day, and to see how a religious person lives his life. So the girls to the mikveh, and they talk a little politics, what's going on, they say they had water, then they go to shul, then after that they say al-chaim. So after such a beginning of the day, who wants to go to work? What does the in Ireland do for the week? Go ahead. Tisha B'Av, did any tzaddik die on that day? Tisha B'Av. I'm sure you'll find some tzaddik in what I don't know why? Why are you asking? Because it's because it runs. Yeah. Because it's a sad day because of the destruction of the temple. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Tisha B'av is a sad day. It's not a happy day. That's a whole other discussion. But okay. connected somehow so to you. But did not know that it was Moses's birthday. Too? No, he didn't know. No. That's what he said. The Talmud says he didn't know. It's also his birthday. That's what he didn't know. Exactly. But he had, there was only. No, don't worry, stay here. Uh, stay here, they'll survive, I promise you. There's a, there's a whole history between Haman and Mordechai, though. Yeah, there's all history, the but you know. Yeah, 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 you will not go into this. Here we're talking about this concept. Go ahead. This is not a question on Haman himself. 
he rejoiced when well, the like, lots fell. By the way, the history, how much of history there is, it's, it's a matter of opinion. But go ahead. He rejoiced, rejoiced when the lots fell on the months of Moses' death because he didn't know the value of his heritage. But your side, of your, your side. side, yeah. But um, why didn't the, the Talmud know this idea as the reason for our salvation? Exactly. Then this is another question. Now we'll go to the explanation. Go ahead. Moses is different. The explanation. Everything. It is the answer. Moses is different. Every schlepper was born. We don't know what will be from him. Nothing to be because we are excited. Mazel Tov, we give him a breeze. Yeah, yeah, we are happy. <laughs> But Moses is different. It was That's the whole explanation. Everything we explained about the disadvantage of the day of birth, that is, it is, it is impossible to know a person's accomplishment, and that the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth, because at birth, his virtues are only in potential. This is true for ordinary people. However, with Moses' birth, as soon as he entered the world, his contribution was immediate and apparent. The Torah says she realized how extraordinary he was. When he was born, the entire house was filled with light. As soon as Moses was born, before his bris, before being named, and obviously before he had any personal accomplishments, the home was filled with his radiance. Where we do, where it says this, we know about Moses, just in general, that he was born and blah, blah, and then it's kind of mean thing starts when he is starting uh, to do something like defend a Jew and kill this one. It's uh, where are these coming from about his, about his birth that he oh. is this in the Torah or is, it, uh, is there a source? Yes. Here is the source. We'll read the source number three. We'll give you Donald to read the source. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the woman became pregnant and had a son. She realized how extraordinary the child was, and she kept him hidden for three months. She saw how extraordinary that Kitovu. It's written in the Torah. She saw he was good. What does this mean? She saw he was good. And that's why she, hide, she was hiding him. Obviously, she saw something. Tov. What is Tov? Good. Read what Rashi says. How extraordinary he was. When he was born, the entire house was filled with light. What is this? Whatever it means, the entire house was... Moses' face was like a projector. There was shine, it was shining. If you would see a tzaddik, you know what I'm talking about. A tzaddik is shining. You see from him comes out... It's almost like a diamond. You put a diamond in a dark room, it's shining. A tzaddik, a holy man, a real holy man, he walks into the room and everybody is glued to it. To look at them. So you're feeling it. It's, it's you see it. It's like it's a, he, he, he has a radiance. It's charisma, but it's more than that. He doesn't have to say anything. He walks in and that's it. Nobody's, everybody's like this. The whole room could be 10,000 people in the room. Whoever recognizes them, Anybody who ever saw the Rebbe, when he spoke to somebody else about the Rebbe, it was like, you know what I'm talking about. Because it, it's something you couldn't explain. You couldn't say. When you say, oh, you saw the Rebbe. It's like we have a secret, kind of. Mm -hmm. Because you saw, you saw godliness. When Moses was born, there was something in him. You know what the best proof is? When Pharaoh's daughter opened this, the basket, right? Why she saved him? Another baby. All the Jewish babies in the. She was Pharaoh's daughter, right? Pharaoh said to kill all the Jewish babies. In the best, she said, You know what? I will not kill him. Go, I leave him. What she's taking home and adopting him. You see, he was a special child. You looked, you opened it, you saw. She fell in love with him in one first sight. What do you want to say? I was going to ask you, when, when you're, you're saying that when you, you told us that many times that when you were uh, at 770, as mm -hmm. 
that that the, the, the Rebbe would come in the room, and even if you didn't see him, you felt his presence. You felt, but I mean to say the main thing was you saw him. It's like when you, you saw the Rebbe, especially the first time, it was like a, like an electric shock. You got such a shock. Really? No, and, 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 and that's it. Everybody who saw the Rebbe never spoke against him, you understand? Even if he disagreed with him, but he never, the, the Rebbe had opponent. People never saw him, but people who saw him, they know this is, you don't mess around with him. And, and this is like known, it's for the, obviously much lesser degree, you can, uh, you can feel like some person comes, you're feeling like this negative energy or... Or positive, positive energy, you're absolutely right, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Every person has that, you're right. By a tzaddik, it's much more intensified, kind of yes, yes. You you're absolutely right. right. I just wonder if you were, God forbid, you were blind, would you sense that You presence? can still sense the presence because you feel in the room, the whole room is, everybody is like... Steve, you have to say, like, you have a, uh, God forbid that you will not have the best uh, vision in the world, you know, like a rapper would say, would not say blind. <laughs> just thinking oh, how, oh, oh, yeah. How if we, by the way, the words, you know, you're, like you're absolutely right, you know, <laughs> then, uh, you know, in the Talmud, how they call a blind person? Saginor means he has extra light, extra, extra sight. That's a way to say that somebody is, 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 uh, is, is blind. And the whole language is different. Hmm. Nobody is blind. He can see. It's blind. So with the Moses uh, being uh, like, as a baby giving out light, isn't what Christians stole from like, the, the, the big thing Jesus born? Like, what should they do? They, they the took everything light. from the Bible. <laughs> well, they think that yes. the early Christians were Jews and they took everything from the Bible. That's why it's such a good, it's such a, it, it sold so well because they took it from the original. <laughs> Assalamu alaikum. Shalom alaikum. Yeah, everything. So many words and so many concepts that comes all from Judaism, from the Bible. They don't even try to, to deny it. The Rebbe, continue. The uniqueness of this matter is further emphasized when one realizes that this took place in Amram's house. Amram was the greatest of his generation, so much so that Moses is sometimes called the son of Amram, indicating that his prominence and pedigree stem from being Amram's son. And despite Amram's virtue, the entire house was filled with light when Moses was born. See, the, it was, Amram was the leader of the generation. He was straight, was a, a, a genealogy all the way from, from Jacob. And he was the leader. And his wife was Yocheved, was, she was the mother, she was the, the she gave, she helped to, what is it called? She gave, she helped to deliver all the babies. She was a midwife, exactly, thank you. And here, in such a house, it was a unique thing. See, they used to, in many times in the Talmud, they say, they, when they, call, they want to say Moses, when the Medesh want to describe how the Jewish people complained about Moses, say, Ben Amram, or even when, uh, when uh, uh, what is his name? When it was the 12 um, spies, it was Yosh, Caleb stood up and he wanted to defend uh, Moses. He says, the son of Amram. I think that one of the explanations, that's my never humble opinion, why they, why they call him son of Amram, one night Moses? Because in Jewish law, you're not allowed to call your Rebbe by his name. That they called him the son of Amram. You understand? Not by his name. That's my opinion. Take it or leave it. Um, in any case, continue. There must have been a light in Amram's house even before Moses was born. And not just any light, but a radiance appropriate for the greatest man of the generation. However, there are many degrees of light. There is, there is the light of a candle, the light of a torch, the light of the fire, sunlight, the light of messianic era, and the supreme spiritual light created on the first day of creation. There is many levels of light. 
and he has a light that even in Amrov's house, who was a, a room full of, a house full of spirituality, even there it was, wow, we didn't ever saw such a thing before. Okay, Mr. Sims, you want to continue? This is the emphasis of our sages in their statement that when he was born, the entire house was filled with light. The birth of Moses didn't only add light to the home or bring it to a higher degree of radiance. Rather, he brought such radiance that the previous state seemed completely dark. With this in mind, there's obviously no room for the question of why his birthday overrides his day of death. For an ordinary person, a birthday has no value because the individual has yet to make a contribution. But Moses made an immediate contribution the moment he was born by illuminating his entire home. But now we're going to understand what really is Moses' contribution. That's, that's why the day of his birth is greater than the day of his born. That's what we're going to read now. Um, you want to continue? Source number four. This explains why the day of his birth atones for the day of death. The fact that the home was filled with light from the moment of his birth demonstrates that uh, his entire being from the moment of birth was the light of Torah. Oh, what means light? Light means the light of Torah. You know the song, La Yehudi, Maita, Ora, Vesimcha? It's a song we can, you know this famous line? La Yehudi. Ora, light, is Torah. So, continue. That's from Hadala, right? Yes, very nice, beautiful. <laughs> Therefore, the day of birth could atone for the day of his death. Even if there is a day of death from a physical perspective, the day of birth continues to emanate uh, with the light of his Torah, the entire of Torah mitzvot overriding and atoning for the day of death. Oh, what he says here, because Moses gave the Torah to the Jewish people, that's why the day of his birth is more important than the day of his death. Why? In the next paragraph, he'll explain it. Go ahead. This is because the Torah, which is Moses' essence, is alive and well. It continues to live on in direct line of tradition and rabbinic ordination, which dates back to Moses. And even after the ordination ceased, it lives on with the leaders of every generation who are called the Moses of, of the generation. As the Midrash says, there is no generation that does not have someone like Moses. Those progeny uh, perpetu perpetuate Torah and Mitzvot, the essence of the Moses, and ensure its eternity. In other words... Okay, go ahead, continue one more paragraph here. Yeah. In other words, the eternity of the... Okay, let's abide here. I'll tell you what this is. That's, that's, a, that's a punchline. Yeah. Moses gave something to the world that lives on forever. And therefore, he never died. Moses, yeah, physically died. There's a day of death, you know. He's buried, but Moses never died. Moses, what was Moses? He gave the Torah. The Torah is something that will exist forever and relevant, be relevant forever. You see, many people can make contributions for 100 years. They will link with just are gone. Think about it. Shalom Aleichem wrote books in Yiddish, right? A whole culture. The whole English Yiddish is gone. We Shalom Aleichem together. That he was good for 50 years, 400 years, 450 years. It's gone. The only one in history of the world who gave something that will be forever is Moses. People invent medicine. It's good for 20 years, for 50 years, 400 years. 
There's a new medicine. The old medicine is gone. Nobody even remembers it. You move on. People get Nobel, Prize, uh, Prize, uh, no, Nobel uh, Prizes for things that 50 years later, nobody even remembers it. Nobody even needs it. What they mean to say is Moses is the only one who gave something. Then he's really alive. We know about, I know more about Moses than I know about my grandparents. My great grandparents. What does this mean? He's alive. That's, what really, that's why Moses, the day of birth, is more important than the day of death. When you look and when you sum up the whole life, there was never a death. You understand? In essence, there was never that. All Moses' essence was his Torah. And this is still continuing. Yeah, you have to say the car died. His body is, is tired. But he is alive. He gave something that will go on forever and ever and ever. Who is the only, that's why there is a Talmudic statement, Moses, Moshe, Mess. Moses never died. Who else is certain about him that he never died? You ever remember? Elijah. Elijah went up to heaven. That's a different story. But who else in the, in the Talmud says that he never died? There is one more person in the Bible that's written he never died. Mm -hmm. It's one of the three. Very good. <laughs> I, don't know which, I don't know which one. <laughs> one of the three, right. Who, who of the three is it? Think about it. Jacob. Jacob never died. Why? Because he, he gave to the world the Jewish people. There is two things will never resist to exist, the Jewish people and the Torah. This is two things who are forever. When something is forever, the person who gave it is forever. Anything else is not forever. You invent the iPhone number 13, will be iPhone number 15. <laughs> the iPhone number 20 will be... Everything changes. Actually, the more... Now it changes even faster. Nothing is forever. The only two things are forever are Moses and Jacob because they gave us things that are forever. That's, the amazing, that's why the day of birth is more important than the day of, the, of death because when he was born, he brought with him something so powerful. Obviously, he didn't give us the Torah the day he was born, but his birth represented that he brought to the world something that will be forever. Don't all religions do that though? I don't care what they do. No, but they say the same thing. They can say whatever they want. It's not forever. This is real. He said, people say all day, people tell me that they are great and they are amazing, they are forever, that they think they'll live forever. What people say means gunished. That's what the truth is. The truth is, Moses gave us a Torah. We are sitting here in 2022 in Solonario, a Torah that was given 3,332 years ago in a desert in the middle of nowhere when they walk without shoes. Actually, they chose the Jews. But you understand what I'm saying? Why, why do we say that about uh, Jacob, but not Abraham and Isaac? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a little painful. <laughs> Isaac, Abraham had two children, right? Okay. Yeah. And the other child didn't continue the Jewish tradition, right? Hmm. Obviously, I, it's not forever. And same thing with uh, Isaac. Yeah, the Esau. Yeah, this, all right? Uh, Jacob. All of them Jewish. Maybe a little obnoxious. Time to oh, time. Sell a brother or toying. But Jewish? You're right. It, but that was it was established <laughs> as a Jewish people. Now if somebody is getting lost, it's getting lost. The point is, after it was established as a Jewish people, the, the Jewish people is, as a, as an identity is forever. Somebody gets lost, it's an easy it's an it's an easy account. Hmm. 
It's his problem. But there's not nothing miraculous about Jacob's birth when he was born. No, no. Just a regular. That's what I'm saying. It's not so much, it's what you contribute to the world. When you look, when you sum up your life later, the death doesn't really matter because there is something that continues on. Usually when a person dies, it stops. What he gave to the world stops. Will never be again. Will never continue. That's why it's, it's a tragedy. But if it continues, nothing really lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure you miss him. For sure we, we miss him, the Rebbe. Miss him. But what he, what he gave continues. That, that's what Mo- Moses and Jacob, that's all the two. Yitzchak actually was a, his birth was a miracle because Sarah was... That's what I'm saying. It's his first miracle man. baby. It's all nice and fine. It didn't give to the world something that lives on forever. That's the point. That's the, that's the code. In other words, I'm sorry, read this paragraph again. In other words, returning to the Torah is what atones for the day of death, rendering the day of, this, of his death meaningless. The Alter Rebbe explained that kapara, atonement, means a total abolition of the sin, causing the individual to be beloved by God as he was before the sin. It, but basically, okay, continue. Are we talking about the, which sin is this referring to? Uh, there's no sin. No, no, no. Uh, just an example. Don't get, don't get uh, caught up in this. The same is true in our case. The day of the birth of Moses, which filled the home with the light of Torah, atones, atones for and illuminates the day of death. Death and change are the only true in trivial matters. His true essence, Torah, is eternal. And it passed down from generation to generation by the leaders and scholars of the Jewish people in every generation. You understand? Aton- the, the language of Rashi is the day of birth atones for the day of death. What means atones? Erases it, so to speak. The, the language the Rebbe used, wish the soap, bites it out. Then th- that's what it means. It was so strong, what he gave us is so meaningful that it doesn't make a difference if he died. No reason to be, to be upset, to be sad. He gave us something that we, it's still alive. This is basically the same idea in a different uh, language. I don't know if it's... Uh, maybe we'll learn that later. Let's go to number to the next page. The Moses in you. Ay, 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 The Moses in you. Our rabbi saying every Jew that spark is a big Beautiful. No, no, you're talking like a Jose. I'm hearing the word spark. That's the only thing I remember now. Think about every Jew spark. So with all those excessive explanations about the iniquiness of the seventh of Adar, we must ask. What is the relevance of Seventh of Adar in the year 5745? When the Rebbe gave the speech, 1985, the Rebbe said, what is relevant to me? You're giving me a whole drosha about Moses. So what means to me? The Rebbe always wanted to apply whatever he spoke. Take it, what you can take home. The Alter Rebbe writes in Tanya that every soul has a spark of Moses within him. He explains that it's not something buried deep inside you like a precious treasure, but rather something that impacts your deeds, speech, and thought. Everyone has a spark of Moses. What does this mean? Here is the Rebbe explaining what means that every Jew is a spark of Moses. Okay, read one more yeah. paragraph. Go ahead. Moses uh, is in the Torah. He bequeathed. Yeah, bequeathed. In simple terms, when most ordinary Jews recite the verse, uh, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokein, Hashem Echad, yeah? 
he knows. <clears throat> there is this passage from the Torah of Moses, and he knows that this passage was passed down to him because Moses um, request, bequeathed the Torah as an inheritance to the Jewish people. That means that the Rebbe takes it on a more simple level. You say, Shema Israel, you know it's coming from Moses. So, what does this mean? Continue. If you ask him, do you believe that this passage was dear to Moses as well? Was this his identity and his essence? He will respond, absolutely. Mm -hmm. His own rabbi or teacher teaches him Torah with passion and excitement. Despite being the student of a student of a student, etc., many generations displaced from the 40 generations of Torah's transmission. If so, this was certainly true of Moses. Torah was his entire identity. It would be foolish, this fellow will say, to assume otherwise. The question is foolish altogether. Continue. You might ask him further, is passion in any given manner evidence that the matter is essential to you? Of course, he will respond. He knows it from his own experience. That means to say it like this, if you teach something, if you have a passion to something, you put your excitement there, you put your soul there, you put your neshama inside. And if the, if the rabbi who teaches you Torah is a hundred generations away from Moses, we are around a hundred generations away from Moses, and we are excited about the Torah, Moses was much more excited about the Torah, right? If he was fasting, if he was not eating and not eating for 40 days three times, obviously he invested a lot in the Torah. <laughs> right? He died a thousand times almost because of this. Then he, he was, his, his whole Moses was invested in the, in the Shema Israel in the Torah. Continue. <clears throat> when he engages with something with a passion and with enthusiasm, it connects to his very soul. When it's a matter of Judaism, it connects to the deepest part of his godly soul, to whatever extent he could understand and perceive it. That being the case, he understands that when Moses transmitted the verse of Shema Yisrael, he also transmitted all his passion and enthusiasm, his essence. Thus, there is no novelty to the fact that he harbors a spark of Moses in his own heart. You see what's going on here? When I say Shema Yisrael, I repeat something that Moses gave me. Moses put in this line is Neshomer. That I have, when I said, when I'm a Jew, and I'm gonna, I have a spark of Moses in me when I learn Torah, when I get excited about it. I, I carry over his excitement. Mm -hmm. Every generation we carry over the excitement. The spark, the soul, the enthusiasm of Moses is going over from generation to generation. Like Moses is in this table. The excitement of Moses is right here. When we say uh, every Jew has a spark of Moses in his soul, how does it work for converts? Are they born with that in their soul or it's inserted into the soul. Someone lighten them up. Yeah. Oh, the question is what you are asking, do you get it that, uh, that you get you it when you come out from the mikveh or you were born with it? Right. The answer is when you are born with it. Mm -hmm. We use by a convert the expression gershin gayer, a convert to convert it. We don't say a gentile to convert it. Why? Because shh, you have to leave, you have to leave the room. You have to leave the room. Please go, go, go out and close the door. Please go out and close the door now. I feel bad. They got a spark of Moses. Oh, they have a, spark, a big spark of Moses, these guys. That's, that was a perfect demonstration of the spark of Moses. These guys are full of sparks. And by the way, this excitement comes from Moses. That's exactly that. In any case, about the con con conversion, when a person converts the kosher way, the orthodox way to Judaism, 
It means that something in his soul pushed him to do it. He was born with a Jewish soul who is in exile in a, in a gentle body. And this pushed him to do it, to go through all this nightmare until he converts. That shows that he was born with a Jewish soul. And but yeah, this is the spark of Moses, exactly. Go ahead. He close the door, please. He knows that if he will only allow this spark of Moses to give an opinion or even take over, observing Torah and mitzvot will become a minor, easy endeavor. If he, if he will allow Moses' spark to control him, to give him, to, the Rebbe said, to give him by the Batishka, to give to... I don't allow my Moses' spark to speak too loud because it makes me feel guilty and he makes me want to do mitzvot. Then you, but if you allow Moses to talk, to talk in you, everything will be good. Our light. Go ahead, Eddie. Sorry, I lost... Other, the last page. Mm -hmm. yeah. With that in mind, we can take the following lesson for 7th Adar this year. Every person in every generation in every situation has a spark of Moses within him. Therefore, when the day of the 7th of Adar arrives, one's home should be filled with light. One's home, environment, and all one's surroundings. When more and more people see this light and grasp the radiance shining within the universe, it serves to automatically nullify the darkness of exile and impurity. Our sages said that a little bit of light chases away a lot of darkness. How much more so, in our case, when there is a lot of light and only a little bit of darkness remains. What is saying here? Every one of us is in the room as a spark of Moses. The excitement of Moses. Now a convert, when he starts to learn Torah and he gets the excitement of Moses, he has the same thing. And some people don't have the excitement of Moses, they just don't know. They never had a chance to be educated. The Rebbe, the Rebbe said once that you cannot tell an American Jew what to do, but you can teach him everything. You cannot tell him anything what to do, but you can teach him everything. Mm. It's a matter of teaching. It's a matter of them when Jews know that they have a spark, they just don't know that they have it. And all the sparks come together. On the seventh of Adar, we can accomplish the world. That's what it's all about. Thank you.